1: Well, first of all, thank you for being here tonight. I'm so, um, I'm so excited about what God is going to be doing in our lives tonight. I have a treat for you tonight. I've invited uh, my good friend Michael Medeiros, who pastors Kellytown Baptist Church, right outside of Florence, South Carolina. Michael used to pastor Highlands Baptist Church, right down the road in New London. Not, it's not New London. Was it New London? It's New London. Yeah, New London for for many years when we planted and. Uh, over a span of a few years, we got to just kind of know each other and meet. We'd have lunch, and and since he's he he left town, okay, let, you know we don't hold that against him, but he has he's really remained as a a friend and an encouragement. How many of y'all know you need some pe- people just to encourage you? Right, how many of you don't, every once in a while you get a, a, a text message from somebody that says, I'm praying for you. How many of you don't, no, that's a big deal? You just kind of flag those people that do that. And Michael has been that. He's been um, a very good friend to me over now the span of many years. Uh, he's a very um diligent pastor. He really is. He stewards the word of God extremely well, loves his people, his church, Kellytown, which is um, right outside of Florence is growing, um, and doing a phenomenal work down there. So thankful to have him with us tonight. So would you give it up for my friend Michael Madera?
0: Well, hello Vortex. Yeah, yeah, y'all can respond back. I'm, I'm kind of used to that. I'm old and old school, so I don't mind some. Amens and sickems and all that kind of stuff as i <laughs> as I, <laughs> I preach I remember uh, not long after I came to to Highland, um, they do a community. Uh, thanksgiving service up there and it fell on me to preach and with it being the community uh, there were about six different churches that participated in that and three of those are black churches and i don't know if y'all have ever been to a black church they do things a little different and i got to preaching now we were i was preaching at the methodist church in new london and We were there as Baptists, and these three black churches were there. And as I was preaching, those black people started amening me. And I said, y'all going to preach me to death, and y'all keep doing that. That's like saying sick them to a bulldog. So if y'all (laughs) want to keep going, I got plenty that I can share. Um, But it is a a pleasure. I was so uh, excited last year to come And to be able to share and and enjoyed it so much. And when your pastor reached out to me back in August, I think it was, and said, hey, I'd like to have you come back. I was like, absolutely. And so it is an honor and a privilege to be here. I do count Kevin as a dear friend. I, I, I would say it this way. He is one of those unexpected blessings and friends in my life. Um, and unexpected because uh, we, even though we were here, we kind of run in different circles and and do that kind of stuff. And I remember the first time Kevin uh, reached out to me, I don't remember if he called or sent me a text message, but he said, hey, man, I'd like to get together and have lunch. And I told my wife, and she was like, what in the world? (laughs) You you are way different than Kevin. (laughs) And I said, well, we're both men, so we got something in common, and we... (laughs) pastor churches and so we got something else in common and it just uh bloomed and blossomed from there and I, I do so appreciate his friendship and uh encouragement he's coming to speak at one of our men's events uh actually January the 8th and so I would encourage you to be praying for him because he'll be traveling down to Hartsville and and uh speaking for us we have about 50 or 60 each month for our men's ministry and uh so uh, looking forward to having him. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter one. Um, I know that uh, from last year that uh, you are the the kind of the core, the backbone of the church, and um, I know y'all do a lot of things to reach lost people, but this gathering is more for those that are uh, carrying a great load in doing the ministry. Of the church and I want to encourage you tonight I began about eight weeks ago uh, preaching through the book of Colossians I've never preached through this book before and uh, just praying about what God would have me to do and God had just man just blessed my heart uh, as I have preached through this and I want to preach to you tonight um, the series that I'm preaching through the book of Colossians is really about the preeminence Of Christ and so I titled the series of messages he is first if we miss that in our lives we've missed it all because so many people in our world they have uh, in some religious way some concept many do not all not most but many have this concept of needing forgiveness and knowing that something's not right and so when they begin to hear about Jesus and the Savior that he is, they're all in for that. Many of you know people who are all in for Jesus being their Savior. But that's not all that Jesus came to be. He not only came to be Savior, he came to be Lord. And he wants not just to be king of kings and lord of lords, but he wants you and I to surrender our lives in such a way that he is our lord, that he is our king, that he is our master. And so Paul writes this book to this church that he probably never goes to. Paul didn't start this church. It was founded by a disciple of Paul who Paul sent home. And that's why it's so important because God has placed you here in this community because there are lost people everywhere. When I moved from here to Hartsville, South Carolina, Darlington County is very similar in numbers and everything else to to, uh, Stanley County. About 70,000 people. You realize in my community there are 60% of the people that live there that have no connection with the church at all. And people would say, yeah, but you live in South Carolina. You live in the Bible Belt. And it is the same right here. There are lost people everywhere. But if we as Christians are not following Jesus, not just as Savior and loving him and worshiping him and thanking him for being our Savior, but surrendering our lives to him as Lord, then they will never Hear the gospel. And a friend of mine a long time ago made this statement, and I I still say it all the time to our church. I said it all the time at Highland. It's this, and this is the reality. The gospel, Christmas, the story of Christmas, all of these things, it's good news, but only if they hear it in time. The gospel is good news, but only if they hear it in time. And so when we trust Christ as our Savior, when we trust and begin to follow Christ as our Lord, and he has deposited himself, and we begin to give the Holy Spirit freedom to work, there's a natural thing that begins to happen in your life and Paul writes about it in Colossians chapter 1 verses 3 through 8 and he uses this word to describe it fruit So let's take our Bibles. If you've got your copy of God's Word, I would encourage you to follow along. I believe the words are going to be on the screen. But Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? And this is what the Bible says. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also. It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day of you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who was a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love In the spirit. I'm going to read just a couple more verses. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit. In every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God and may God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word father bless us give us ears to hear give us eyes to see and change our hearts and we pray this in Jesus name amen thank you and you can be seated John chapter 15 verses 1 through 11 is a text that will help you to understand the idea of us as human beings bearing fruit. And let me just say this, fruit isn't something that any tree or vine is forced to produce. You you plant a tomato plant, in the ground and if you take care of that plant and it gets the water that it needs and it gets the sunlight that it needs and it gets the fertilizer that it needs, it's gonna grow and all of a sudden it's gonna put out blooms and it's gonna bud and it's not forced, it's not struggling, it's not straining to do anything. It just naturally happens out of the overflow of what's taking place that you can't see. It's the same with apple trees and orange trees and pecan trees and, and, and all of those kinds of things. They, when they're getting everything that they need that you can't see, the natural outcome is fruit. And when you are tapped into Christ and you're getting all that you need from Him, you don't have to force the fruit to come. You can't produce the fruit because it's not your fruit. In John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine. I'm the supply. You are the branch. And if you'll just stay connected to me, if you'll just abide in me, the natural outcome of you abiding, resting, trusting in me is fruit. And that fruit is a fruit that God will be pleased with. And so we look and Paul writes and he's talking about praying for them and as he prays for them in the book of Colossians, he's he's talking to them about this concept and twice he talks about this fruit. And so that's what I want us to look at tonight. It's the fruit of the gospel because God in Christ, the person of the Holy Spirit has deposited himself in you. And I'll say this God expects a return on His investment in you. And that investment, God describes in this amazing, beautiful way called fruit. And so Paul is talking about it. Now, when we think of fruit, And there's a passage of scripture that our minds, most of us, if you've walked with the Lord and know anything about the Bible, automatically goes to, and it's Galatians chapter 5. And we know that in those verses beginning in verse 16 down through the end of the chapter, Paul does this contrast between the fruits of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, it's a single fruit, but it displays itself nine different ways. And we know what those are. They're love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things are the things that God wants to begin to bring up in you so that ultimately they will overflow from you. You see, so here's the amazing thing about what God does is he's not doing this to use you, although he will use you. But you get all the blessing and all the benefit from God's love and God's joy and God's peace and all of those things as he pours them out in you. And as you grow in your faith and as you allow him to work in your life, it's just going to keep swelling up. And at different times, these things are going to present themselves in different ways. You're not always going to be the most loving person. Amen? Yeah, <laughs> If you've ever been married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you got grandkids, you just lost your mind. <laughs> but these things flow in us, and we are blessed and encouraged and strengthened, and we grow. But the reality is, is that they're character fruit. And somebody once said about character this character is who you are in the dark. Character, the character that you have, or the lack of character that you have, is put on display when you think nobody else is watching. And so I would ask you to evaluate your own life tonight, not that life that everybody sees. Not that life that everybody knows, but who you are in the dark. And the things that you really think about and the things that you really desire and the things that you really allow to pour into your life and and to move you to become who you are. Because here's the reality. What you do in those times comes out of your life. And what God wants is for you to have the character of his son. Paul writes in Philippians chapter two and tells the church at Philippi and he tells you and me today that we should have the mind of Christ. And then he helps us to understand what that mind, what that thought process, what that perspective looks like when he goes on to say that Jesus gave up glory and heaven and his, uh, the, the worship that was rightfully his for a time. And he came to this earth and he took on flesh and he became one of us. That's the mind of Christ that I'm, you're willing to go wherever you need to go and do whatever you need to do and pay whatever cost is necessary because the people that need to be saved, the people that are lost are worth the trip. They're worth the time, they're worth the effort, they're worth the energy, and they're worth the resources. It's this this character fruit. What will we do with this reality? When I think of love, I think of John 3.16. That's the kind of love that God expects us to have. We all know John 3.16, right? But it's the the love of Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that may not be the way that you love in this moment and time, but if you follow Christ, it's the kind of love that he will develop in you. Man, when I think of joy, I'm reminded of the verse in Psalms that says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so often, so many times are just getting people are getting just pummeled by the world and by the, lo- the circumstances in life and, and Maddie talked about maybe this has been a great year for you and, and maybe this has been the roughest year that you've ever led and that you 've ever lived, and you just can't wait for it to be over. But when you walk with God, he will develop the joy in you. And here's the, the one thing in our lives as Christians that steals us of our joy, it's sin. We all know the story of David and Bathsheba man, David had had such a great testimony but he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing as a king and he fell. And after a year or more of of just rejecting God, God finally broke through. And David wrote an amazing, beautiful psalm, song of repentance, Psalm 51. And in the midst of that psalm, David crying out for God's cleansing and, 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 and restoration and he says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And if you don't have joy and you feel weak, it, maybe your walk with God isn't exactly what everybody else thinks it is. And then we come and we could talk about peace and man, <laughs> Jesus, the, the peace that surpasses all understanding, Philippians chapter four. The, the peace of God, it'll guard your heart and your mind. But here's, the, here's how, in Christ, you won't have peace, especially as a child of God, if you're not walking with the Father. God will oftentimes remove the peace from your life as a way to draw you back. Some of you could stand up here and share testimonies of that reality, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I I was walking with God and then I stopped and my world went to hell in a handbasket and I was miserable. And I finally broke down and came back to God and I repented of my sin and there was a peace that I hadn't felt in a long, long time that washed over me and reminded me of how Good and gracious and merciful and kind and patient God is towards me. The next type of fruit that uh, I want to talk to you about is what I would call convert fruit. Um, That's what Paul is describing that these people got saved because of the work of this man named Epaphras that went there. But it's this expansion of the gospel because it's not much about who is the message bearer; it's who the message is about, and we know that the message is about Jesus. and And Paul writes, and he says, "Look, this is what the gospel does. When the gospel is shared all around the world, it's growing and expanding. It's it's bearing fruit." Remember, he, he said this specifically, which has come to you, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. And you know that's what it's doing because that's what it did in you. It's bearing fruit inwardly and it's bearing fruit outwardly. Jesus said in John fifteen sixteen, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go... Go where? Just wherever. And wherever you go, bear fruit. And that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give you. Go and bear fruit. That's what Albemarle needs. That's what Stanley County needs is people who know Christ going out to where they are. And living in such a way that they will see your good works, Matthew chapter 5, and glorify your Father in heaven, but remembering that the Bible says that the gospel is a message of words. And in the book of Romans, Paul writes this, how will they hear? And remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? And Paul writes and he says, how can they hear unless someone tells them our words need to match our lives right amen but they gotta hear nobody's ever gotten saved just by watching the way someone lived but millions and millions have been saved when the words of the gospel of jesus christ are shared with someone who's seen somebody that really loves jesus and sees that what Jesus does is real and that it works. And although I'm not perfect, I'm on a journey of living for the glory of God, and that makes all the difference. And people all over the world say, that's what I want. I've tried this, and I've tried that, and I've worshipped this, and I've worshipped that, and none of it works. None of it has given me what my soul, what I know I need. And our testimony is Jesus' will. Jesus will convert fruit. And thirdly, conduct fruit in First, or not First Corinthians in Colossians chapter one, verse 10. He speaks about that. Think about these words and let them sink in, because this isn't the only place. Over and over again in the letters of Paul, he uses words like this. He prays in verse nine that they will grow in their faith in the knowledge of the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And and then you say, why? Why do we need to be filled with the knowledge of God? Why do we need to understand the will of God? Why, Why do we need spiritual wisdom and understanding? And this is his answer. So that you will walk, live every day in a manner worthy of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but that's heavy. That, that's big. That, that is uh, overwhelming to think that God has enabled us through the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit to actually live a life Think of the words that's worthy of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I've done some things that I would just have to say are unworthy. Of the Lord, I, I didn't lose my salvation and I was saved when I did them, but I've done a lot of things. I've said a lot of things. I've let my attitude and my anger get the best of me and I wasn't living and walking in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. But every time I found myself in that position in life and I look back on it, Jesus wasn't in control. He was still my savior, but I had usurped his position. I had sat down in the throne of my life, and that's why I was living the way I was living, thinking the way I was thinking, talking the way I was talking, doing what I was doing, going where I was going. And Jesus loved me and brought me back to himself. He cleansed, he cleansed me. He didn't push me away. He didn't turn me aside. He didn't put me on the bench. He said, no. Keep going, but walk. He said, son, he says, daughter, stay connected to me in such a way that in the life that I give you and the power that I give you and the work that I'm doing in your life, that you will walk, that you will live before the world around you in a way that is worthy. Not of a bigger paycheck. Not of a better job, not of a bigger house or a new car, but that you walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. Walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, and He doesn't stop there to please Him in all respects. Man, how would your life changed? How, or not changed? How would it change in this moment? But even let's go back. How was your life changed? Since you came to know Christ. Think about for just a moment the times in your life where you know that you've pleased the Lord. Maybe it was giving a gift or an offering in worship. Maybe it was singing a song. Maybe it was leading a life group or a small group or inviting someone to lunch or to coffee. There's all kinds of ways that we can do things in this life and the world that we live in on a daily basis. To please the Lord. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians ten thirty one, and he says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. In Colossians chapter three, he talks about doing those things and doing them unto the Lord. E- even the way that you work at your job. Remember that you're not working for that company or that man, or you're not working for that paycheck. You're working for the Lord God has placed you there in a mission field surrounded by lost people because if you will follow him and we'll put Christ first, then what he'll do is he will reap a harvest of souls and eternity will be altered forever. So he's concerned about your character. He wants you to have godly character fruit. And he's interested in your life and this convert fruit and how he will use you to reach others. He's concerned about your conduct and the way that you will live. Philippians chapter one, verses nine through 11 tells us to be filled with the fruit of Righteousness. Our lives should be morally like Jesus' life, and our lives should be ministerially like Jesus' life. The next fruit that I believe the Scripture lays before us is contribution fruit. It's what we give to the Lord as, uh, in the way of Stewardship. I came to the realization a long time ago, and it's true. I've got more stuff than I've ever had, and I've got a lot of stuff that I don't need. But in all of it, God has been good to me, and he expects me to be a good steward with all that he's done. And one of the things that helps me to be a good steward is to remember that he owns it all. And just as quickly as he gave it, he can take it away. That's what Job said. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What was going on in Job's life? He had just lost all of his wealth. And he had just gotten word that all of his kids had died at one time. And the only thing that he had left was his wife. And she wasn't that great of a blessing. All right. I I, I mean, I know none of the wives in here are like Job's wife right but, but wives in churches far far away from here are <laughs> and she came up to Job in the midst of all of that and this is what she said you're holding on to your faith in God why you've lost it all our family is destroyed why don't you just curse God and die and this was Job's response the Lord gives And the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. He said, he can even take my life. But he's always been faithful to me and I won't deny him now. I won't turn my back on him now. And, and so we have this, entree, uh, th- this opportunity to be good stewards. How are you stewarding the things that God has given you? Automatically when a preacher gets up and starts talking about contributions and stewardship, we always think about money and that's a part of it, but it's the last part. It's actually the smallest part because if you're stewarding your heart in a way that pleases God, you'll steward your life in a way that pleases God. The most valuable commodity that God has given you is time. Everything else can be replaced. I mean, that's what God did with Job. Job, God didn't just give back Job what he had. He gave him back way more than he had to begin with. Go back and read the last couple chapters of Job, and you'll see how God blessed Job. And the only thing Job didn't get back was time. Because it's appointed unto man wants to die and after that the judgment. And God has not only ordained your steps, but he's numbered your days. And there's not a doctor on this earth that can kill you if God says it's not your time. And there's not a doctor that can save you when God says your time is up. And So if you steward your time, in your heart and your mind in a way that pleases the Lord, that's a manner worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what's the easiest thing to do when you're already giving God faithfully, blessing God and honoring God with all these other things? The easiest thing to give is dollars. It just always is. But the thing that it's most easily identifiable that our hearts aren't where they need to be is when it comes time to give to the Lord, a tithe and an offering, because it demonstrates our faith. I heard a preacher say one time, give me your checkbook and give me 30 seconds to look through it and I can tell you where your priorities are. So if you took just a moment and you look through your bank statement or your credit card statement or however you use your money, you'll see real quick if God's a priority or not. And that's what this is about. He is first. And it's easy to say amen. It's a whole different story to live amen. And that's what this is about. The last thing that I want to share with you and my time is up is confessional fruit. It's the fruit of the lips. Hebrews 13, 15 says this, Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. This is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. We sang songs of worship just a moment ago that reflect this. We're about to sing some more. We're about to go into a time of of prayer. I'm praying in your seats. I know at some point in just a minute, uh, Pastor Kevin's gonna call some people up to be here to pray with you. Let me leave you with this, Psalm 1914. This idea of confessional fruit, the fruit of lips. It simply says this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth in the meditation of my heart, be acceptable, be worthy of the Lord, be pleasing to Him in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, if a branch does not bear fruit, it's cheating and defrauding the husbandman. And if the Christian does not bear fruit, he's missing his most delightful destiny and is defrauding. Jesus Christ himself. You see, by the fruit which Christians bear, the world judges both the vine and the husbandman. The Christian is to bear fruit. And this new fruit is a new life, a new man, a new heart. I don't know how God might be using these things in your life. Maybe You're struggling with character issues. Maybe you're struggling with being a witness. I mean, you know you're saved. There's not a question about that. You don't have any doubts about that, but you're living a life in such a way you're trying to be an undercover Christian. And God wants you to go public. It's time to come out of the closet, so to speak. You've been in there long enough. There's people that God has placed all around you that are lost and will spend eternity in hell if you don't begin to let the light of Christ shine through you. But to see that conduct or that convert fruit, you're gonna have to let God change some conduct issues in your life. However God is working, I I just wanna pray for you right now. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be together, what a special people these are. I love this community. I lived here for a long time and God I know that your work is not done and I thank you for the place that Vortex Church has in your plan and your purpose in this place in these days. And I pray that these fruits would become more and more real and more and more obvious in our lives and in this church that those that are lost might have the darkness flee as the light of Christ shines bright through these people and from this place for your honor and your glory alone. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church,
1: we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.